welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 156 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Giltackett. Thanks for joining me again today on the show. We've got lots to talk about. Uh, we've got an update on Bill C-21, the actual procedural update on what's going on with that bill. We've got um, a, a report from Tracy Wilson on the Senate Committee's report, which is the, the uh, compendium of everything they learned during the, uh, the Senate Committees, and you won't believe some of the stuff that's in there pretty wild. There's new polling out. Uh, conservatives are riding high and some other things to think about there, uh, as well as a rumor floating around that the federal government, uh, meaning the liberals, the NDP and the Bloc, and I guess for some to some extent, the Greens uh, may have decided that they're not going to pay uh, gun owners for their newly prohibited firearms. So we're going to see uh, if there's any validity to that and uh, a whole lot more. So before we get started, I'd like to thank our sponsors. A huge thank you goes out to our great friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers Chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR and the CCFR radio podcast. Check out all their great work at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com. And thank you so much to our great friends over at Vortex Canada. They continue to support the CCFR podcast and the CCFR. Can't say enough about them. Check out all their great products at vortexcanada.net. That's vortexcanada.net. Vortex, the force of optics. Need a new boomstick? Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of the CCFR. With a wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter, they have what you need. Plus, free shipping over $250, which includes ammo or flat rate shipping of $17 under $250. Some conditions apply. Subscribe to their weekly newsletter to get first access to the hottest deals. C-Toms has been a provider of trauma care training to military and police in Canada for nearly two decades. Now this emergency medical training is being made available to a wider audience through C-Toms online courses. Go to ctomsacademy.com and use promo code CCFR30 to get 30% off. That's ctomsacademy.com. All right, we are back. So I've only got a couple of things to go over with you before I bring Tracy on because I think Tracy and I spoke for about 30 minutes, so you'll have more than enough politics uh, to uh, to last you uh, over the weekend or whatever from that conversation. And uh, so my items are just a couple of housekeeping items, really. So first thing is, when the, when uh, when is the next podcast coming? So instead of being um, another podcast uh, dropping in two weeks, it's going to be three weeks. So that gives me an extra week over the holidays to, uh, to not do a TV show or a podcast, which is great. And then I also have some lingering projects that I like to do over the Christmas break. You'd think that I just like to break at the Christmas break, but that's just not the way it, it works over here, I think. <laughs> I think that's my problem, but anyway, I'll work that out on my own. Um, so anyway, the next uh, podcast should be somewhere around January the 4th, 2024. And what that show is going to be is going to be a year in review of the CCFR. So what have what have gun owners been through um, in the last year? And, uh, and what has the CCFR done? What are the projects that we've done? What are the kind of activities we've been involved in? Any kind of cool memories, whatever, right? Just kind of where have we been? And as, a, as, an, as an organization or, you know, as I run things as a business, right? Um, as a business, you should be constantly, and I mean, I don't want to be preachy for, to people that run businesses, but let's just say it's my experience and just kind of the way my brain works is every 
probably every week, unfortunately, which is great for the CCFR, bad for my mental health. But every week, I kind of have this little kind of, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, what have I done in the last three months? What has the CCFR done in the last three months? What, what are we doing in the next three months? What is the CCFR doing in the next, within the next 12 months? Do we have a plan? If so, how complete is that plan? Is that a full plan for a year? Is it a full plan for three months? You know, what are the, what are the long-term goals that we want to accomplish? What do we got to do today to start those, you know, to, to start that, that, uh, that process to where we'll reach those. Like I, I, I plan, um, I think, uh, uncontrollably all the time. So anyway, I thought it would be a great idea for us to do this together in public. What has the CCFR done in the last 12 months? And how have we responded to some things in the last 12 months? Like those are all really important questions that as a, as a business owner should be asking about your business and or if somebody that leads an organization, they should be asking that question all the time too. And especially for us, because we're accountable to you, to the people that, that fund us, that support us, that trust us. So anyway, I want to have that conversation with you. And that's what we're going to do in the next podcast. So I'm, I'm really excited about that because um, I'll just share this with you real quick. It's, it's amazing to me when I have to, when someone says, okay, well, what is it exactly the CCFR does? And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's a good question. What, what do we do? And then I start looking back and I, and I see all the stuff that we've done, like even like four or five months or whatever. I'm like, man, that's quite a bit of stuff, right? Like I'm always amazed at how much work we do get done. As I've said a million times, I wish it was working better. I wish, I wish we could force the government to do things, but uh, this government is um, um, especially impervious to, uh, to, to morality, I think, and to, to the pressure of morality. So it's been, they've been a real challenge, but anyway, we're going to do that together. That should be a fun episode. Um, and the other thing I want to talk about is field officer of the month for November, uh, 2023. And our FO of the month is Joel Steinhardt or Steinhardt. So Joel, forgive me for mispronouncing your name once and getting it right for once. I'll, I'll take the credit for that. Um, and uh, as FO of the month, you uh, may already know that you get a $100 um, promo code for the for new merch at the store. And you also get a year's free subscription from CATF, Canadian Access to Firearms, uh, graciously donated every month by our great friend Donovan Dewis over at CATF. So thank you, Donovan, for that. And Joel, I hope you enjoy your prizes and thank you so much for your work. Thank you so much to all of our volunteers for all the work that they do because, you know, things that Tracy or I or the other employees at the at the CCFR, anything that that we don't do would never get done without without volunteers. So uh, I can't uh, I can't express how grateful I am uh, to all of you taking your own personal time and and your own energy, right? Because you only have so much energy to um, helping the CCFR and by extension helping other gun owners at least at some level, fight back against these people, just not make it easy for them when they go through and, and do the things that they're doing to us. So thanks again, Joel. Uh, all right, so that's it. I only had a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, so let's bring Tracy on. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson at the CCFR. Wilson! You know, I heard that a lot this weekend when we did our calendar tour. Everywhere I went, they were saying it, so it's catching on. You know what? That's the other thing that we didn't put on our list, but we're going to between the two of us, we're going to remember that at uh, towards okay. the end. All right. So, we have a whole list of stuff to to talk about. We're going to try to get through it all in a timely manner. So, let's get started. Um first thing we need to chat about is uh Bill C21 and mm -hmm. where it is in the Senate process. 
So it is still currently today as of recording, which is Tuesday, it is still in third reading debate in the Senate. Um, I'm almost surprised somebody hasn't moved a time allocation motion because eventually they're just going to say, okay, enough talking about it. They've rejected all the amendments. They've, you know, mass voted everything out. Eventually it will go to its final vote and then um, receive royal assent because it, it will go unamended. That's all bad news. But yes, it, it will likely be happening. The Senate rises at the end of next week. So I would imagine any time between now and then. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Now, again, we've known the whole time that this will pass. They have the votes. They have the votes and the, the liberals have the votes in the House. They have the votes in the Senate because yep. Justin Trudeau has stacked the Senate. Um, <laughs> we, we talked, I think it was a, not the last episode, but the episode before what the numbers of, uh, of senators uh, and who they were appointed by are. So yeah. that's going to be, a, I think that's going to be an ongoing issue. But nonetheless, no matter what, whether it's before Christmas or after Christmas, it will pass and it will be something that we have to, uh, we're going to need a majority government to, uh, to get rid of um, once, uh, once this liberal uh, administration comes to an end. That's right. And part of this whole Senate process, too, is the committee that studied the bill um, then provides a report to the, the main Senate. And that's been tabled. That's out there. Um, I think we've got it on all our socials. Um, it was a 16-page report, basically washing their hands of any real responsibility to fix a very flawed bill. I think, um, you know, both sides of the debate, everybody admitted that it was flawed and wasn't happy with it. However, the anti-gunners were willing to accept it because, of course, they got their handgun ban out of it. So, yeah, I, I went through the report myself. There was a lot of talk about it online. I know researcher Tim Thurley had a few great tweets about it as well. And yeah, I got a couple of findings about that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about those right now. Cause I, I think they're interesting. Yeah. So the first one that really bugged me and I was watching this live when it was going on, um, was there was a, a motion for an amendment to sort of enshrine and ensure, <clears throat> excuse me, Indigenous Section 35 rights into C21 because, of course, C21 also mentions the fact that CFAC will be resurrected, the Canadian Firearms Advisory Committee, after the bill receives royal assent, and they will look at the guns that were in G4 and G46 and decide which ones of your hunting rifles will get banned next, right? So it's a way to take it out of the bill and just leave it to this committee to arbitrarily do. So, of course, senators were concerned that you know, with the history this government has of violating Indigenous rights, they've been in court for years um, trying to fight for their rights, that the, it would it would infringe on their rights. So they wanted to make sure then put some sort of um, safety guard in C-21, amend it and put it in there so that Indigenous rights would be uh, maintained. And it's interesting, Senator Youssef, of course, the sponsor of the bill in the Senate, argued against every amendment. You know, the whole point is just to, you know, block vote it, through, don't amend it, just rush it, ram it, let's get it done. And it was interesting because he said if C-21 or the resulting OIC gun bans coming out of CFAC violate Indigenous rights, it's okay, they've got a remedy. They can just go to court and fight for their rights like they are now. You know, and I thought, yeah, because every Indigenous person or organization just has millions of dollars lying around to fight the government in court to secure the rights. You are the legislators. You've got an opportunity to fix it. And it's just such an elitist 
position to take to say, well, it's okay if if this bill, this stuff that we could fix right here, right now, it's okay if it violates Indigenous rights. They have a remedy. They can go to court. Yeah, it's let them eat cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So that, like, I watched that and I just, I don't know, my jaw kind of dropped. I mean, nothing should surprise me at this point in our in our in our journey, but that absolutely did. Another point was in that report, there was a big section on heirlooms because it really, it seemed that the majority of senators were in agreement that with C-21, when a handgun owner dies, like when you die or I die, they're going to visit our grieving widow and our children and forcibly confiscate those handguns and have them destroyed. And it's, you know, I mean, there are people who have passed these guns down for generations. You know, they meant everything to the person that owned them. And it's just a pretty cold, callous thing to be doing to Canadian citizens that don't deserve it. So, you know, again, they had an opportunity to amend it as legislators, as the second sober thought, um, and did it. So, but they put, a, you know, a strong recommendation to the feds to work with families to find a solution. And it's like, well, you know, you have a chance right here to fix that injustice. But once again... Never mind. We got to ram it through for those anti-gun lobbyists and get their gun ban in place. Forget the fact that it's destroying families across the country. So, <laughs> and then the third one that really uh, kind of bit me was there's a whole passage within it talking about the lack of focus on crime guns. And it's out it, short. I'll read it. Bill C-21, which proposes significant changes in firearms legislation, is inadequate and potentially misdirected given the declaratory statements made by government ministers related to their declared objective to eradicate gun violence. Public security experts who testified before the committee, 16 of them highlighted critical gaps in the current approach of the bill, emphasizing a lack of focus on the real sources of armed violence. Okay, so you're just going to pass it anyways and not amend it? Like, th this is why the whole process is such a farce, right? They're admitting themselves like, oh, yeah, this isn't doing anything, anything similar to what the what the government is stating, but uh, that's okay. I mean, we're, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. And then I got one bonus one here. Literally in the report, these are the exact words they state, the lobby against any form of gun control, which is demonstrably false. They're talking about the gun lobby. They're talking about us. And with a quick and simple Google search, you can go over to our website, look at our policies and see the the measures that we support to keep guns out of the wrong um, the wrong hands. So to me, that sort of indicates the really low quality of work done by some of these senators who are studying the bill is they just write us off as a lobby against any form of gun control. Yeah, well, there's a lot of lunacy there, right? Just like there's a lot of lunacy in the House. I mean, you know, NRA style. Yeah. You know, like just all this garbage. It's, uh, you know, I've said it a million times, but I guess I will say it one more time. It's just like, you know, Justin Trudeau and all these others, they all complain that no one has faith in in the mainstream media or in government institutions any longer. And, and it's somehow some kind of right-wing, ultra-mega, American conspiracy that, you know, they've somehow infected. It's like, it's just from their own behavior. But yeah. anyway, it's pretty wild. Oh, it's been a really, I mean, we've watched legislation before, but watching this go through and all the debate and, you know, senators, some of them independent, air quotes, senators, 
raising some really good points. The the amendment for the exemption for IPSC in the Senate was raised by um, an independent senator. And they said, yeah, that's actually a good amendment. It really makes sense. But no. Yeah. Like. But I'm, in, but I'm voting against it. Well, and I think the reason for that is because if they send it back to the House with amendments, then it slows down the process and they can't cram it through before Christmas as promised to the anti-gun lobbyists, right? Yeah. So, so they would rather yeah. have terrible, flawed legislation than get in political trouble. Uh, they're appointed for life. At, at least you understand what the priorities of the government is and also the Senate, right? At least you understand yeah. that. And I mean, under yeah. Understanding is the first step to solving a problem, I guess. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, now, there was a rumor, and I, I contacted you, and I said, hey, uh, can you look into this for the podcast? And it was that uh, there was a, a group that had sent out a uh, an email and said yeah. that it is now confirmed. Or I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember, and I didn't look it up. But um, the Liberal government is uh, has made the decision, or this is what they're doing, they're rolling out a confiscation scheme for the newly prohibited firearms from the May 2020 gun ban. And uh, they've decided that they're not paying any compensation for it because of um, because of some numbers that came out in budgets. So what's the what's the actual information there as far as you know? Yeah, I, I saw that, too. And I just sort of went, oh, boy. I mean, I get it is very confusing to to keep track of what's going on. So just recently there was the the fall budget. And within that, there were some line items, I think 23 million and 69 million for years 23-24 and budget year 24-25. Now, as you know, the there's the buyback program itself or confiscation program itself is going to be logistically almost impossible. I've said it right from the beginning. So it's going to cost a lot of money to develop it, to figure out how they're going to do it, where they're going to do it, who's going to do it, how many people it takes, what resources are required what framework is needed. So those line items over the next two prospectus is for that. It's for development of the program. Of course, there would not be a line item for the actual payouts to gun owners because the amnesty extends until the end of 2025, into October of 2025, probably be extended a little further. So of course it wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't put in a budget for not that time a light a line item for something that's going to happen in the future. So I think it's just a little misinterpretation misinter of what those line items represent, but what they're for is for development of the program, not for the payouts for individual gun owners. Yeah, so, and and as we yeah. know, the the program itself, including the payout, is it will be in the billions. Oh yeah, so that's they, why. Like obviously. Yeah. It's not those amounts, right? Well, if so. they intended to roll that out, you would have had the administrative cost built in there, which the admi administrative cost is going to be the largest cost of all. So you'd see whatever, a billion dollars or $500 million yeah. just for the administration. And then you need another whatever, half a billion dollars or whatever it is, hundreds of millions of dollars for the rifle. So anyway, when you see those numbers, you know that it's coming. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. Of course, it's not going to appear in the current budgets or even next year's budget because it's not happening in those years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right. Um, now, you know, funny thing is uh, December 6th has just rolled out, and that is the anniversary of the um, shooting at a at Cole Polytechnic back on uh, December 6th, 1989. 
And of mm-hmm. course, great time to to stay quiet uh, out of respect for the victims, for sure. Mm-hmm. But there are people that don't stay quiet. They're out there throwing all kinds of things around. And um, I'm speaking specifically about the docs and Polly. And one of the things yeah. that was, uh, we're not going to get into the the uh, ridiculousness, the you know throwing crap at, at anyone. Instead of instead of respecting the victims and remembering their them, you have a lot of people in the anti-gun community deciding to take that day as I can start dishing out free shots. Because nobody will yeah. dish back, you know, hit, you know, uh, give it back to me because it's the same. It's a very strange thing. A lot, as if you guys mm-hmm. remember, a lot of that stuff happened last year too. Uh, but anyway, one of the oh, yeah. things that was kind of uh, kind of funny about um, about some of the commentary is uh, Natalie Provost or Provo or whatever had said uh, something about um, Heidi Rathjen being the most powerful lobbyist in Canada. I thought she wasn't a lobbyist. Well, this is a funny thing that happened. So, and funny, not funny, haha. I was actually in the car and I heard the interview. I often have CFRA on. That's our local kind of talk radio. It's very political. So I had it on and they had her on there. And, you know, I actually sat in the car when I arrived at my destination to hear out her interview. Uh, really tough day for her. Like, I, I get it, right? But yeah, she was giving some kudos to Heidi Rathjen. And said that, yeah, she is a, like, you know, the most powerful, successful lobbyist. And she, the interview was in English and she used the word lobbyist, which is interesting because I know they've taken some heat for failing to, like, I've actually wrote to the uh, lobby commission, this was years ago, about it, wondering, like, I have to register because I'm a lobbyist. Why don't they? And they said, no, no, they're not, you know, they say they're not lobbyists. Well, she literally called her a successful lobbyist, you know, on the interview. So, I mean, at the end of the day, lobbyists or not, I I don't really care. But just comply with the laws, you know, comply with the Lobby Act. And, you know, I don't I don't understand why they're so evasive about it. But in any event, yeah, she said it in plain English. Well, her a lobbyist. let me help your understanding. Basically, the rules apply to some people and they don't apply to others. Right. Um, all right, we'll move on because that's not really a big story. Uh, but uh, this is this is a I guess an ongoing story, and it's a it's a a really compelling reason to stay positive, even though we have to deal with Bill C twenty one and all the rest of the monkey business that comes with it, and this fight in general. Uh, but the good news is uh, the conservatives are still polling really strong. I looked at uh, polling information from two days ago. I think that's December the tenth. And it's 97% chance of a conservative majority and 3% chance of a conservative minority government in the next election. So so 0% chance of liberals. Of any other party forming government, which is great, right? Yeah, that's, so, that's been pretty steady and strong for, for months, actually. Yeah and, yeah, and we're going to talk about a reason why you might see a little bit of a reversal in that. It won't be devastating or whatever, but the upshot in advance is is that this stuff will get turned back at some point. You know, we got to suffer mm-hmm. till the next election, but things are going to change. And they're going to change on guns. They're going to change on a lot of things, right, for the, for the better, for, you know, uh, in positive ways. So just, just keep, keep going. Uh, keep showing up when you need to show up. We're going to talk about another story about that. In fact, I, I missed that, so we're going to talk about this after. But um, just keep showing up. Keep doing what you got to do. Keep fighting. Because it will pay off. 
because he and alternatively, your only alternative is to is to just give up and let yeah let things happen the way that they just unfold, and that's just not an option certainly for us. Uh, but anyway, one of the things that I wanted to bring up is there's been a big marathon voting um, session going on. And they're called yes. confidence votes. And it and basically the liberals are trying to make political hay by mm -hmm. saying that the the uh, the conservatives are voting against everything. And then they'll come to, oh, they're voting against kids having food to eat. They're voting against people not being killed, whatever, all this crazy hyperbolic stuff. But what is actually going on? It's called the confidence voting. But why don't you explain that for everyone so they understand it? Yeah. So, I mean, the the government only exists in power at, at the pleasure of its peers, right? So... When you force a confidence vote, if if the conservatives had won any of those confidence votes, we'd be heading for an election, which is kind of the point of doing them. It's a tool that's been used by all parties. It's funny watching the NDP lose their mind over it. In 2012, they did the exact same thing. I went back and watched some of that. But basically what they do is um, they, they're taking the budgetary bill that they're studying right now, and they force a vote on every single line item in it, and then they vote against it. And I mean, I guess technically say, speaking, you could say they're voting against those items, but that's not the point of it. They know that it's going to pass because it's got the support of the House. But what it's doing is trying to force a vote of confidence against the Liberal government. So they're not voting against the items or voting against the government. And a lot of people don't understand that. Liberal MPs and NDP MPs have been making these ridiculous tweets with like a list of things, like you said, you know, food for children, you know, military, whatever, all these issues that, of course, people care about and saying that, you know, the evil mean conservatives are voting against them. And it's interesting, again, on on CFRA, uh, they were doing a panel with Vashti Capellas on there and they were talking about it. And this one kind of really left leaning panelist who normally I roll my eyes when I listen to them even said, you know, like it's it's pretty disingenuous and it's almost sickening to listen to because they, those liberal and NDP MPs know exactly what the conservatives were doing using that tool of forcing all those confidence votes. And it's not a, a matter of voting against those line items. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess uh, there's some polling uh, due today, I think, out of Abacus. David C Coletto uh, tweeted about it. We'll see if, the, if that damaged the conservatives at all. I'm not sure if people really understand the nuances of using those types of um, confidence vote tools in the House, what it really means. So I guess we'll see. Either way, I know the Liberals are either, you know, uh, assuming you're stupid or hoping that you are. But, yeah, that's, it's not what they pretend it to be. Well, and the Liberals know full well what's going on. Like they do yes. this stuff all the time themselves. Yes. And it's. You know, so when you sort of know what's happening and then you listen to the messaging, like the completely histrionic, you know, screaming it from the, you know, from the the top of the mountain, like the conservatives are 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 victimizing children. Like it's so oh, yeah. it's so disingenuous, it's so dishonest that, you know, and especially uh Karina Gould, right? She's out front. Oh, she's yeah. like just just you know ready to just break down, have a nervous breakdown about what you know how evil the conservatives, and knowing full well what's going on. I just I, I really do wonder how we got to this point in Canadian society, like in in in, our, in the political landscape, how we got to this point. It's it it really is terribly ugly. It's like fashionable now to just you know walk in front of the news cameras, 
during the middle of a scrum and just like light your hair on fire, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's total theater. The question is not why does Justin Trudeau suddenly not love his country? Because the question is ridiculous. I live this country in my bones every breath I take and I'm not going to stand here and somehow defend that I actually do love Canada because we know I love Canada. And it's, it, it's a problem because there are real Canadians having real struggles right now. And that was kind of the point is, yeah, of course, Polyev's trying to take down the government. Of course, he wants an election because he wants to turn the ship around. Well, so. because the liberals and their, their you know, co-conspirators at the NDP, the Bloc and the Greens, they, they've destroyed the economy. Yeah. They've, they've caused division in our society, unlike anything we've ever seen before, ever in the history of the country. Maybe like in World War one or two, you know what I mean? Like just like it's mm -hmm. unprecedented the damage that they've done, and they'll and they are completely fine. Like the Karina Goulds and the Mark Hollands and the rest of these people, they're completely fine to manipulate the hell out of Canadians, just to, just so the, that they can st keep can you know stay in control, stay in power. Oh yeah, well you they're know? desperate too. It's interesting if you go look at the CCFR Twitter and Facebook. There's a really neat post that's there where it's taken individual, like all these, you know, kind of screeching liberals and taken their um, their Canada 338 polling numbers and it's showing how many of them. Karina Gold is absolutely going to lose her seat. So, of course, she is desperate. She'll do or say anything to stop, you know, Canada from going into an election because she'll be unemployed afterwards, right? But, so. I, but, but that's the whole, she'll say, do or say anything. Like that's... But that's wrong. That's morally yeah. wrong, right? And it's like, I think, it's you know, you get so right? caught up in politics, you're, you forget that. You're like, well, you know, they're playing the game like everybody else. And, you know, you see conservatives do it from time to time, just not as anywhere near as often or as extreme, you know, because people think that, you know, because we're talking about the CPC and pinning all our hopes on them, it's like, this is, a, this is just a, a practical matter for us. It's like, well, this is the only way that you can save your guns in our system is to get a friendly government or one that is the friendliest out of what your options are, one that can actually form government. And, yeah. you know, we're not, you know, we don't donate to the CPC. We don't, we're not, uh, we don't carry water for the, we're not shills for them. There's like, this is our only option as gun owners to get some of this stuff back. So we have to help them to some degree, but I'm not blind to bad behavior, no matter what party is, but I, and I, I keep a really close watch on all that stuff. And I don't see conservatives do it anywhere near to the level. It's almost like the conservatives are the way that politics were done 20 years ago, you know, where yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll highlight some shortcomings of your opponent or, you know, you'll make sure that people know, you know, all the gritty details, which would lead them to think maybe that something is worse than it is like just the nuanced stuff. But the way that the liberals and the NDP conduct, conduct themselves is, and the block too, by the way, is beyond atrocious. Yes. Like it is, it's it is galaxies different than the way the conservatives are. So, anyway, it's just really wild to watch when you pay attention. Well, the messaging out of the liberals too. You know, it's like liberal choose forward. The conservatives will take us back, and I'm like, back to what? Yep. Let's yeah, safer sounds streets, good to me. <laughs> being able to work full time and buy a home. You know, yeah, balanced budgets. Yeah. Uh, you know, not crazy inflation, groceries that we can all afford to eat healthy food. Okay, let's yeah. go back. Where Canadians used to respect each other, no matter what, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'm yeah. in. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we're just pining for the old days. Hey, Wilson.
Yeah. Anyway. I know. All right, let's move on. Now, um, we're sort of moving on. One more thing here, sort of on the same topic. You know what's interesting is election Elections Canada is hiring mm-hmm. people for a four-month stint. Yeah, that's right. They've got uh, job ads up uh, for the next four to 12 months hiring for Elections Canada, the federal organization. So, yeah, I've, I've watched a few different sort of Canadian political podcasts talking about this. So... I know sometimes you see that stuff pop up, but it's, uh, yeah, I can't help but notice that timing. I, I'm ready. Let's roll. Yeah, that'd be awesome. The sooner the mm-hmm. better. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so the story that I was supposed to uh, uh, prompt you on was the Kingsville Township meeting. Why don't you give us kind of a, a quick rundown of what all happened uh, with that? It's kind of an interesting story. Well, this is actually a perfect way to sort of top things off because it's a nice, positive story. So I I heard from uh, Brian and General Gunn the other day. He sent me a screenshot of a motion that was being brought before the Kingsville, Ontario Town Council. And this is um, a little town in Essex County. And it was about, you know, the same thing we've seen basically all over the place, particularly here in Ontario. It's been a real struggle is a discharge of firearm and bow motion looking to change it. Right. Looking to get rid of that. So um, Brian had sent the screenshot to me and I was like, okay, I need a little more information. Where's the meeting? What time? Where? Like I'm a seven and a half hour drive just so people know. But I was like, wow, I'm not going to make it there. Um, But let me get the word out because a lot of times the more people that go, you know, you get some people together and you go in and you oppose this. Because if you don't show up, then they end up passing these things without you being there and you you don't know what's happened, right? So anyways, so they went, they had their meeting last night. I shared out some information about that a couple times. And I I got word last night from Brian from General Gunn and then Joe Foley, all those guys down there in that neck of the woods, they were all sending me messages last night that they won, the motion was defeated. And what happened was absolutely incredible. I watched... This 15-minute video this morning that was sent to me, a guy named Scotty Giles from that area. It's his farm that they're shooting on. He's got a bit of a range going on there. And he got up and spoke at this meeting. And, you know, it's just just a guy from the neighborhood. It's his farm they're shooting on. He's kind of feeling under attack. Town hall was so packed that the chambers were full. They had everybody out in the lobby with a TV so they could watch it out there. That was full. It was absolutely packed. Scotty Giles went up there. He did a fantastic job delivering a message about how safe and appropriate and legal what the activities are on his farm and what's going on there. He's got all the support of local law enforcement and everything else. And basically, you've just kind of got this one counselor who's you know she's just not into the gun stuff right and just trying to make changes anyways it was really interesting because they had a a series of questions for scotty after he said his little said his piece and then um the mayor went to call the vote but they need someone to second the motion right so far it's just the one counselor so he says can we get a seconder for the motion and it was just dead silence at the council table and he goes well we don't have a seconder. We can't even vote on the motion. He's like, motion defeated. And the lobby of people just erupts in cheers. And I'm watching that this morning, five o'clock in the morning. I scared the crap out of the dog. My coffee went flying. I'm jumping up and down in the living room. And I'm like, yes, 
That's how it's done, Scotty Giles. You showed up, you brought your friends with you, and you kicked butt, and you won. So I just love it, and it's just such a – you can find the video for this on our YouTube channel. It's up there now. But it's just such a a masterclass in how you, as an average citizen, a concerned gun owner – can just make all the difference in the world for the people in your community. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to buy Scotty Giles a beer when I see him. Yeah, well, history is uh, written by those who show up, right? And that's that's right. And it's yeah. nice when that works out from time to time, but it will never work out if you don't show up. That's right. If yeah. he hadn't have shown up and all those people hadn't have shown up and they hadn't have got together and opposed this, that they probably would have had a seconder for the motion and thought, oh, yeah, it's a good time to look this over and make some changes. Yeah. And they probably would have been waking up to a discharge of firearms bylaw, um, you know, not allowing them to hunt or sport shoot um, in their rural community. And that's a travesty. So that's, yeah, it's great. So just a huge, huge round of applause for Scotty Giles. He did a fantastic job. Awesome. Well, yeah, that is a great story. And, uh, and that's how it's done. So congratulations to everybody that took part in that. And there's also a psychological aspect to when everyone shows up like that and the room is stacked there's like participating is essential if you want to either protect yourself from something or make changes and it's it's just a great story all right we covered everything that we were supposed to cover all right we did it awesome well thanks for the update and we will see you in the next one all right we'll see you then All right, that's going to do it for episode 156 of the CCFR Radio Podcast, and that's going to do it for 2023 as well. You know, funny uh, anecdote, hopefully you find this amusing, Uh, but when I was doing the the intro and I was saying 2024, I'm like, 2024 already? Like, holy smokes, man, time is flying. And I thought... Man, it's, I, I feel like it was yesterday that we had Y2K, right? Like some of you guys are as old as I am or, or, or older, <laughs> somewhere around as old as I am. You're, if, and I'm, I'm sure you remember Y2K, right? Like I was in the, in the building automation industry back then in, in the year 2000. I was 30 years old. <clears throat> and I had been in the building automation industry since I was 19, right? So I'd been in a long time. And I remember our big concern uh, leading up to as we got into um, – uh, 1999, that uh, Y2K was coming and all these building systems, we didn't know that if, whether or not uh, computers could express the number 2000, right? They were designed to express 1900. So basically 1901 to 1999, because we never figured that any of these systems would still be operating, you know, whatever, over the 40 years that they had been operating or what have you. And it wasn't just our industry. If you remember, right, planes were planes were supposed to fall from the sky. Nukes were supposed to touch themselves off, right? <laughs> you know, detonate themselves in the in the silos. All this, all this stuff. And I even remember in 1999 in December, people buying bottled water. Bottled water was hard to get for the last couple of weeks. Now, with the nukes setting themselves off and the planes falling from the sky, I don't. I'm not sure how a computer having the inability to express the number 2,000 would have made water harder to get, but I don't know everything. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's time has really flown, even just the time that the CCFR has been around, which leads me to um, to saying, you know, I just want to thank you all for, uh, over the course of the last year, for all of your support. And, and, and not, just, not just your financial support, keeping the CCFR going, making it so that we can swing that big stick as the gun lobby. Um, but just, again, like, I know you guys are probably sick of me saying this, right? But just 
just the level of trust that you have and the level of even just moral support that you have for the CCFR. And, and every at the end of every year when I'm starting to think about what it is that we've done and everything, as I mentioned in the intro, it's just, I'm just really so proud of what it is that we've created together. We've created the largest, most sophisticated, most effective gun lobby organization in the history of the country, bar none, right? Um, you know, we've been under eight years, the CCFR has existed for eight years under liberal rule, first a majority and then successive minority governments. So we haven't had our shot at a conservative minority or conservative majority government. And we're really looking forward to helping the conservatives make the changes that we need as, you know, as a community. And so the next chapter of the CCFR's work is going to be really exciting once we get there. And we will get there. You know, as we talked about with Tracy, the polling results are very encouraging. And, um, you know, we have an opportunity to, to well, really two things. I don't want to go on and on about it, but number one, get our, our firearms back because we haven't done anything to deserve them being banned or taken from us, obviously. But also maybe have an opportunity to look at, at Canada's firearm laws, firearm regulations, and have some real input into figuring out how we're going to get criminals to have less access to firearms legitimately while preserving the, the, the property and the heritage and the culture of firearm ownership in Canada, which is really important. And there's no negative aspect to it as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, lawful firearm ownership, um, but contribute to making effective regulation pointed at criminals so that we can reduce criminal violence involving firearms. Like there's a, there's a really great role for the CCFR. Uh, it's, it's basically part two of what our role is as the gun lobby. And, and we, couldn't, we couldn't be in that position without all of you and your support. So I just wanna thank you again, um, sincerely from all of us at the CCFR. Uh, I'd like to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Happy everything, whatever it is that you celebrate. Hopefully you'll have some time to spend with people that are important to you because at the end of the day, that's what's most important. It's not politics or any of these evil liberals uh, or their dastardly deeds, their skullduggery that they engage in constantly, ceaselessly. Even, even right now, it's getting close to the end of the year. There, It's a fever pitch. What's really important is your life and the important people that are in it. So anyway, thanks again, everyone. Take care, and we will see you next year. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.